Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by The Dollar Menu, nothing says bargain like chemicals pretending to be food. Now let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Gritty's Donuts. Grab a donut, coffee, and a bunch of bullets at Gritty's Donuts. Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is the show where we like to pick apart a movie. The pestle part of mortar and pestle is, you know, you grind up a thing and make flour with the mortar and pestle. And we are the mortar and pestle. And we like to grind up movies to talk about how terrible they are. No, actually, we usually... We just end up liking these movies because we pick them a lot of times. And while we pick a movie, we, you know... I don't want to watch. Right? Yeah, for a lot of reasons. Like for one, that like I don't want to spend two hours hating a movie. Yeah, we're I, not getting paid for this. I'm not a person who goes out <laughs> of his way to watch bad movies. Yeah, you know, unless just, somebody wants to pay us to do that, in which case yes. I'm happy to do that. Sign me up. So if you're listening, <laughs> we do take payouts. We do. We do payola. Okay. So. But yeah, then on top of that, like it it kind of sucks to talk about a movie that you don't like because you, you have to tear it down and say, here's why I don't like it because that's kind of our whole thing is we want to uh, have a really analytical approach to films. And even if not every conversation is going to be this, you know, level 33 geek technical breakdown, you know, we're, we're still going to try to give rhyme and reason to the way we feel, yeah. why we feel. Yeah. Um, and sitting there and talking about how much, you know, you hate about transformers while fun to an extent would get super old episode after episode. Yeah, but that's still a lot of fun. That one still is. It's a lot still of fun. really good. <laughs> it's become our whipping post. It is, but, but you know, and in the same on the same vein, though, we have respect for every movie that's made, whether doesn't matter how bad it is, because it means somebody had a vision, they had the strength to actually put it, you know, write it, to put it together, to film it, to edit it, like all that stuff. Like, I don't care if it's the worst movie that I think that I've ever seen there's a, a massive level of respect for anybody that makes anything, you know, I would rather somebody make a shitty movie than not make any movie at all. Completely agree. I really would like the, the, the drive and determination to get anything made. It, do, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter how much money you have in the bank or, uh, how much pull you have in Hollywood. There's big name directors all the time that don't get their passion projects, man. Yeah, yeah man. It's hard. Absolutely. I mean, but we talk about it all the time. Uh, who was it? The glass. Was, uh, oh, uh, Ira glass. Ira glass said, yeah. that, um, you got into the, this for the taste. You have, yeah, you, you have, have a taste. T- your taste doesn't change. It's just your ability to capture what your, your, the essence of your actual taste is what changes. Like and you get better at it. Yeah. And it sucks because whenever you do start out, you have this, understanding of the aesthetic or what you're trying to accomplish. And if you're objective, you also understand where you're currently at. Mm -hmm. And so there's just this chasm between you and that thing. There's this gap and it takes more and more work and you slowly over time close that gap until Mm -hmm. you're creating the thing you're set out to create. And then even after that, like I'm sure Ridley Scott having made, you know, 300 million films is still like, man, I could have done this a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. although he makes them so fast, maybe he doesn't have time to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe time to look back. I I know some guys are like that. They just make it and they move on. Yeah. You know, which is cool. Yeah. I got a lot of respect for that too. I mean, it still takes a ton of work Mm -hmm. and, and heart and commitment. Yeah. So, 
that said, what are we doing today? We are, we are doing Annihilation. Uh, so if you have not seen it, pause the episode, please go watch it and then come back because there's going to be spoilers galore. Absolutely. We're going to talk about a lot of things. We'll talk about cinematography, composition, uh, touch a little bit on practical effects and along with uh, story and theme, like what is this thing really about? Mm-hmm. It took me three times watching before it just became super obvious. To uh, me. Now, now I can't watch it without seeing it. Right. Yeah. You just, it does it. It's just so obvious <laughs> yeah. it's on the nose. It's screaming the whole time. Yeah. But I bet everybody that's listening right now is like, what is it? What is it? What is yeah. it? <laughs> well, we'll get to there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. And other such things as they pop up. Yeah. So a synopsis of the film. Uh, a biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. It's written for the screen and directed by Alex Garland, based on the novel by Jeff Vandermeer. It's cinematography by Rob Hardy. I like that you called that out for this movie. Yeah. 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 We don't do that every time. Yeah. We're doing that from now on. Yeah. Though. Okay. Good. Good. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> it was about time. Like yeah. I felt bad. I was like, Maybe if the Oscars doing? are doing it, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we got to do it. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Natalie Portman as Lena, Jennifer Jason Lee as Ventress, Tessa Thompson as Josie, Gina Rodriguez as Anya, Tuva Novotny as Cassie Shepard, and Oscar Isaac as Kane. I'm right about the refractions, weren't I? Yeah. I checked my blood last night. It's in me. It will be in all of us. It was so strange hearing Shepard's voice in the mouth of that creature last night. I think as she was dying, part of her mind became part of the creature that was killing her. Imagine dying frightened and in pain and having that as the only part of you which survives. I wouldn't like that at all. Ventress wants to face it. You want to fight it. I don't think I want either of those things. Before I get to your thoughts, because there's one thing you said that uh, I really want to talk about because I thought it was a really cool thought. I just love Tessa Thompson, like her performance overall. She's just this really understated, uh, soft character. And God, she's awesome. And that scene, I think is just Mm -hmm. perfect. She delivers this line that final line. I don't think I want either of those things. It's just really under delivered and kind of not quite a throwaway, but it's more of a ponderance. Like she's still figuring out what she wants out of this. And I love that because too often actors, especially early actors are trying to chew too much onto a line. They're trying to milk it. And sometimes the best thing is to just throw it away. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've done the work, you know who you are. Just say it. And, and that I'm, I'm interested why you picked this this clip. Uh, her delivery, to be honest, I was taken out of it. Hmm. It's not bad. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, 
uh, when, when I, when she delivered those lines and I was watching it, I was like, Oh, wait a minute, she's acting. But then I realized that she's not really her anymore. Like she is, but she's like, she's in the, at the beginning phases of this transformation. Yeah. Right. So she's delivering it not as her character. She's been the whole, you know, the rest of the movie. So what took me out of it was her being something else or having something else as a part of her now. Yeah. Right. And at that, at that point, you know, like you said, she, she's becoming something else. And literally then the next, you know, shot, we no, don't see her anymore. That, that yeah, she walks away and we never see her again. We assume she became one of those human plants. Yeah. I think that also goes back to the heart of her character. Like she was suicidal and uh, depressive. And there was that interesting conversation between uh, Shepard and Lena where uh, Shepard tells her like, yeah, we all, we're all damaged goods here. Mm-hmm. Talking about Josie specifically. She's like, she's suicidal. And she's like, Oh, she tried to kill herself. And she was like, no, I think the opposite. She tried to feel alive. She cuts herself to feel alive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so for her, you know, in that moment, she's, She's debating, but she's kind of giving in. She's like, yeah, yeah, I think, I think and, this is my moment. And if you notice the, the branches coming out of her or start to come out of her, her scars yeah. at first, yeah. you know, before everywhere else. Right. Oof. So it, it makes it, it, that's basically her feeling alive. It's her becoming, becoming alive. Right. And accepting, yeah, you know, not accepting, but just like, like welcoming yeah. this change, this transformation. This is where I'm at and this is yeah. what's happening. So here we go. Yeah. And so that took anyway, that line kind of took me out of it because she, had, it was, it was the, the night before when the bear sit situation happened, cool. she wasn't like this at all. She was still her same character. And then it's like the very next line you hear from her, she it's like totally different yeah. completely. But you know, that just kind of, that was the transformation that started. I think when, you know, when the whole bear situation happened and she, realized, oh, I don't want either of those things. You know, I don't want to end up like that. Remember this because I think it plays a really important role of uh, when we get to theme and story. Okay. That said, like, what was the, I, you've probably seen this, what, two or three times now? I think three now. Three now? Yeah. Uh, which is crazy because the first time I remember watching this and I was, I can't remember if I saw a screening or if I saw it by myself and then you wanted to go see it and I was like, yeah, I'll do that again. For one, I just didn't know what the hell I'd watched. And, but I also was like, man, that was just oddly watchable. It's, yeah, it's really slow. It's taking its time, but it's so engrossing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so what was that experience like for you watching this, you know, the first time versus the second time? Well, I mean the first, yeah, the first time that's a good question. The first time was a little bit like what you said. It's like, what, did, what did I just see? I don't know. But I think that, um, during it, one of the things that made it watchable was that you were always expecting something big, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Cause you're exploring this alien bubble. Yeah. You don't know what could be in there. Right. And you know, you do get these things where you're just like, Oh my God, was that the bear and, and the, the crocodile. But the thing is, is that it's, it's all small changes. I mean, there's some obviously big ones, but like, the bear was a bear. It killed people, right? Mm-hmm. Bears do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like a gigantic bear. It was just like a big bear. Same with the crocodile. I mean, the crocodile was gigantic, but it was like, it was its teeth. It was its mouth. That was the interesting thing. It was like this one tiny 
not tiny, <laughs> this, this one change yeah. of this thing that otherwise might not be as wow factor in a movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that harkens back to like what this movie is actually about, which yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. But the second time I watched it, I started kind of like understanding a little bit more. I, I was just watching it because I wanted to kind of, yes, I wanted to understand it more, but I, I just enjoyed the journey. The directing in it is unbelievable. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and, but this time, cause I remember the first time I watched it, the ending felt slow. Right, the ending felt like man, this oh, is dragging yeah, on ages like, and ages. Oh my God, when is this going to end? Because there's barely, if any, words at <laughs> yeah. all, and it's like, man. Uh, but this time, I don't know if it's because I knew, you know, what would happen or whatever, but it just felt like it flowed so well and just got right through. And by the time it was over, I was like, oh, that's over yeah. already. Oh, so I think I enjoyed it way more knowing what it's about than not knowing what it's about. It's a weird thing because normally a movie, once you know what it's about, you're like, ah, I kind of get that. Yeah. Right. And you definitely can't unsee it once you know. But the the funny thing is, I think there's just so many ways you can take it. I think there's one correct way yeah. um, overall, but there's so many other ways that you can take it. I remember the second time I saw it, I was like, I think it's about art. I think it's about the nature of art and creating and the way artists are seeing and being influenced by other artists all the time. And it's just amalgamation of who you are and who they are. And everything's kind of swirling together to create new things and not everything works and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I was just trying to piece together. And it was the third time that I went to see it with you where I was like, I'm just breaking out my notepad and I'm going to figure out what is happening here. But that's one of the cool things about obviously science fiction in general is usually going to be pointing to layers of sometimes more abstract and sometimes more direct, but just the ability to watch something that works on multiple levels is so rewarding. And uh, at the same time, frustrating whenever audiences aren't like going to it and really paying it because this is the stuff that I feel like we need more of in, in film to, really grow our our minds and our attention spans and our appreciation our taste this is a, a refined taste kind of film and the the frustrating part for me is when you know the academy awards were you know last night for us um mm-hmm. we're recording this on the monday after the 2019 oscars and films like this don't get appreciation films like ex machina which alex garland also wrote and direct don't get the proper level of appreciation you know not just in terms of nominating for the writing, but as a movie itself, as a work, this is this is high art. Just because there aren't people, you know, crying over their lovers and uh, being upset with betrayal, doesn't mean this isn't worthy of being a drama. Yeah, like, this is high drama, and to not show that the proper level of respect, now you're just kind of confirming people's decision to not go support it. Mm-hmm. This is what we need to be pushing on, you know, uh, audiences, not necessarily pushing on, but encouraging like, hey, check this out. It's a challenging movie and let them know like this is going to be a challenging film, but you'll be entertained and you'll also have something to talk about afterwards. Yeah. Instead of you walk out of Transformers, there's no conversation to be had. You know, there's a lot of. But that's not winning Best Picture either. That's not winning Best Picture. But there's a ton of nominees that I'm like, I have no idea why that got nominated. Oh yeah. You know, God, that, yeah. that's the frustrating part is 
they're they're writing this line between pop culture and uh, art, mm. and a lot of it it does seem a little more political than I would you know hope for. And so that said, I, I I really love this film as a whole for sure, and so respect you know what he's trying to do and and getting funding for this to yeah. make it and making it like mm-hmm. that says a lot, and I will absolutely continue supporting someone like this. So what's it about? So. Okay, let me walk through my notes here because yeah, there's a there's a certain order to it, and I'll start with cinematography um, because I think it's interesting the way there's a lot of center framing and single shots like there's just which creates a lot of empty space in the frame. Whenever you you isolate something in the middle, now you're kind of especially a person, you're kind of hinting at their their being isolated. This is an isolated person. Uh, the opening interview uh, scene is a great example, right? They even use it. If you go and watch this opening scene, just the first, you know, 45 seconds, they use the wall itself, the paneling of the wall to even frame her within the composition. So she's not only like in the middle, she's kind of being squeezed into the middle. And that's just this really simple way to make her feel alone and isolated. And as a side note, it's interesting that the wall behind her is so plain and bare because that's like usually a big no-no. That's a nightmare scenario that you want to avoid at all costs. Mm-hmm. Like you usually dress up a set. Um, and so they're doing as much as they can to not just make her alone and by herself. But I also like the way they still manage to give it a lot of life. They lit it from the middle down and it created this kind of natural vignette around the edges of the frame um, just to add some dimension and drama to what would otherwise be a very ordinary plain wall. <laughs> and so that's just a really smart tactic yeah. and, and, you know, cinematography, but back to the center framing, uh, they also frequently, they use it to show someone's emotional state. I'm not sure it was a super hard rule, but it seemed pretty constant, you know, especially through the first half of the film, like after Lena is captured and she wakes up, she's uh, she's framed off center until she gets her bearings. And then, you know, she's kind of constantly being thrown off off balance, so to speak, which is kind of the literal way to take the center framing. Um, but it's also interesting because whenever they start getting into the flashbacks with Lena and Kane, uh, they start using two shots like now they're they're putting them together. And then as the flashbacks progress, they start to move Kane away from her into these really clean singles. So a clean single is when you're framing someone. Let's say you're framing a a coffee table conversation. Like you can frame someone over the shoulder where you catch a little piece of one person's shoulder as you're looking at the other person. Or you can remove that shoulder entirely and just show that person. Mm-hmm. Now, if the shoulder's in the shot, that's a dirty, that's a dirty shot, a dirty single. If the person, if the shoulder's not, that's a clean single. And you can use those kind of shots to describe their emotional state or the investment of their relationship. And like so, a, like a clean single, you're you're in the conversation because you're literally between the two people, right? But you, a dirty single, you're it's more like you're. You're peering in. Yeah, that's right? a really good point because depending on the, the the framing, the angle, like you could put it and now it does draw you in a little bit more. But if you're still kind of maintaining the same relative shot, like shot, reverse shot, like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to look at Lena. Now we're going to look at Kane. Like if those are still relatively the same angle, but one is missing like a shoulder, then I think it could be an also a, a way to say how he feels right now. And for him, I think they're showing that he's detaching from her before his mission. 
and giving her dirty singles when we do the reverse shot. She still like has a little bit of his shoulder in the shot to show that she's still attached to him. So he's mentally isolated already, even though he's still at home. So it's kind of giving you an insight into his emotional state as the film progresses. But there was also an interesting use of water throughout the film that I can't quite put my entire finger on. But I do know uh, the glass of water when Kane comes home after, you know, he's been gone. He's into the shimmer. And now he's suddenly home after a year. After he drinks the water, this is a really cool touch. There's a spectrum of light on the left side of the glass. And that's such a really cool little uh, foreshadowing of the shimmer to come. Because if you think about the dome of the shimmer, like it's just this glass of water with this, you know, kind of refracting light thing that Josie was talking about a minute ago. But there's also really another super important purpose of that shot when he puts the glass down, which I will get to later because I think it solves a very important question that people ask at the end of this film. And most people are wrong. <laughs> okay. In my opinion. <laughs> okay. Um, but to dive into story and theme, what is this film about? Well, it's one big metaphor for cancer. The entire movie is screaming it. And yeah. once I started like taking notes, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes so painfully obvious because it's all over the place. It's literally like, and I'll just do a quick rundown of some of the cancer references, literal cancer references throughout the film. Mm -hmm. One of the first shots that we see is a microscope view of a cancer cell dividing and replicating. And Lena narrates to her class. She says, quote, a single or organism alone on earth. One became two, two became four, eight, 16, 32, because the structure of everything that lives and dies, the cell we're looking at is from a tumor, female, early thirties from her cervix. That's really interesting because it could almost be described, uh, be describing Lena like she's early 30s. I don't know if she has cancer, but that wouldn't surprise me. Um, and in a sense, I think she does, which I will dive into in a little bit. And then continuing the cancer references. And well, she she makes a comment with, to Kane that a cell doesn't grow, grow old. It becomes immortal, keeps dividing and doesn't die. They say aging is a natural process but it's actually a fault in our genes as opposed to cancer. Cancer is kind of an immortal gene. That's one of the shitty things about cancer is that it doesn't die very well. And why we've had such a hard time killing it. I think I'm no scientist. I just play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the flashbacks, Lena is reading this book called the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. And that book is about the immortal cell line that came from Henrietta's cervical cancer cells in 1951. And then of course, Cassie Shepard's daughter died of leukemia, which is, I believe blood cancer. And then of course, Venturis, the psychologist, uh, she has cancer and she's dying of cancer. And that's her big motivation for going on the trip. Now, I'll get into the symbolism here in a second because it's symbolized all throughout the film as well. But I think it's interesting that I think we see the five stages of grief throughout the film, which mm -hmm. to remind everyone, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Those are the five stages and they don't necessarily have to go in that order. That's fine. But I think each character maybe symbolize one of the stages and I think they each are trying to make their way through them as well. Now, I don't know who symbolizes what. That's just kind of my knee-jerk reaction because Anya seems like anger. <laughs> yeah. And uh, depression certainly seems like Josie. And I think they're, and I think uh, acceptance is Lena and blah, blah, blah. But I think on another level, they're all trying to make their way through grief. 
of their own versions. Mm -hmm. And Lena obviously lost her husband and she's trying to figure out that. So there's stages of grief that she's dealing with there. But, uh, and she's the only one I think who makes it all the way through. Um, maybe, maybe Josie does because she comes to a point. No, I don't think she does. I think depression takes her out. I think maybe each stage kind of works its way through someone. I don't know. Uh, That starts twisting my brain if I think too hard about it. (laughs) But let's get into the symbolisms because there's a lot of symbolic cancers in the film. Like the shimmer itself is cancer. 100%. Right? It's a tumor. It's a tumor. It metastasizes and takes over everything. It mutates Mm. everything. Plants, animals, anything with DNA gets affected with this. And it also explains the ending. Like the lighthouse is the center of the tumor. Even the basement where Ventress is looks like a tumor. It's dark and lifeless. And there's an interesting conversation that takes place at that point, too. We spoke. What was it we said? (laughs) That I needed to know what was inside the lighthouse. That moment's passed. inside me now what's inside you it's not like us it's unlike us I don't know what it wants or if it wants but it will grow until it encompasses everything Our bodies and our minds will be fragmented into their smallest parts until not one part remains. Annihilation. So, I love all those performances for sure. Oh my god, Um, yeah. And she is just... I, she kind of sounds like Josie to me, right? She's just kind of defeated and she's giving in. And of course, at that point, she just completely gets uh, annihilated. Yeah, she gets annihilated. That's right. And disintegrates and it's beautiful and horrific all at the same time. But the ending, so that point, right before there, we see what really happened to Cain. And he says, I had a life. People called me Cain. Now I'm not so sure. Was that you? Were you me? And he has a few other comments, but cancer is basically your body being invaded and convinced to kill itself. And that's effectively what this thing is doing. So Cain was duplicated and convinced to kill himself with a phosphorus grenade, which is really important um, because I think that really fits well into the metaphor. But then we get to see it try and take over Lena. The progression rise takes a drop of her blood, uh, the dance of it learning her form. It's replicating her. But I think Lena convinces it to kill itself with a phosphorus grenade. She's the only one who fought the thing. She tried with bullets. It doesn't work. You can't always cut it out. But sometimes what you can do is use chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the phosphorus grenade is, you know, clearly representing there. After that, you know, she goes home and she gets interviewed, tells her story. She seems like herself, unlike Kane. At this point, people are like, well, what about the shimmer in her eye? Like, that's, that means it's not actually her. It's an alien. Well, this is what's interesting. Most importantly of that interview section, 
She takes a drink of water, the same as Cain did at the beginning of the film, Mm -hmm. except unlike Cain, she's unaffected by it. There is no blood. There's no shimmer in the water. And the water is how we can tell that she is still her. But this kind of drove me into another section of what about the relationship? Why is their relationship such a huge part of this film? And what I think, and this is much more conjecture on my part and just trying to make everything make sense. But I think what you could say is secrets are the cancer of a relationship. He can never tell her where he's going, when he'll be back, etc. And she has an affair. She doesn't tell him when he gets back. And albeit, you know, there wasn't much time to. But I wasn't really clear on when their affair was happening. If it was actually after he went missing or... It was during. It was during, right? It might have been before he left. Right. That, that's my impression, too. I couldn't quite put a, yeah. a button on that timeline. The guy was like, he knows, doesn't he? And she said, yes, he knows. Oh. So he knew. He knew before he left. There it is. Thank you. Yeah, that yeah. is... That to me, okay, that confirms it then. Like they're kind of saying secrets and infidelity. Yeah. Like these are the cancers of a of a marriage, of a relationship. And at the end, she never tells him if she's uh, Lena. And I think this is why her eyes actually shimmer. Because her lack of transparency is still infecting their marriage. And secrets are relationship cancer. Um, and what's interesting, I think they're, they're doing some more stuff with the naming conventions. I couldn't quite put a, a finger on it, but one of the coolest ones to me is Lena and Kane. For one, you could say that they're kind of anagrams of each other. Like L is right next to K in the alphabet. So those are, they're together. Um, but then E and A and A and E, you know, finish their, their names. But I think it's a little more simple than that. I think K, and I just had like a really major realization, but K, if you put a K at the end of Lena, then they're, they're kind of finishing each other's words. And then you, they're reversible. Cain to Lena. Mm-hmm. They're, they're connected by E and A, uh, which to me sounds like DNA. I don't know if there's another kind of NA, but it's certainly... There's RNA. There's an RNA. And so, yeah, I think they're doing some other similar things with, with the other names, but... I don't care to really take uh, a shot at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing great so far. Yeah, I'm surely going to stick my foot in it at some point. But yeah, that's kind of what I took out of the film. Yeah. I think that's really rich, and I have tons more notes that are, goes way, way too down <laughs> down the rabbit hole. But <laughs> but there's like all these interesting things that that that's happening. It's a good place to start. I mean, now I, I think that anybody who's who has seen this or is still listening to this, you know, should probably go back and even, even watch just 20, 30 minutes of, of the movie, even if yeah. you don't watch the whole thing and just see how many references to this you can, you can spot from little things like, uh, right before the crocodile where they, they first find something that looks a little strange. It's all the flowers, the different flowers coming from the same vine, you know, stuff like that. The actual shimmer itself expanding slowly, you know, enveloping everything. Um, I also, I, I loved that this whole cast minus Kane really is women. That's so cool. Right. And so, uh, and I, they, they all struck me as very three dimensional characters. Like, yeah, yeah. Very, you know, you never got the sense that this was tokenism at all. Like, no, right. It, it was, it, 
you don't notice it. Like I literally didn't even notice it totally until I read, was reading all these names Yeah, and I read them and I was like, Oh, this is like a, a femme movie. Like, yeah. Awesome. But let, let's, let's visit this just for a second. Please. I'm sure you probably have notes on it, but I don't. <laughs> so I'm just going to talk. <laughs> this is going to be that. Yeah. Great. Um, so they say, you know, they, they say that, Oh, you know, they sent other teams in, in the past, they address that there were men and they address that they were, military right so now they're sending non-military and female are they specifically sending female because all the others they sent in were men and they wanted it to be completely different and if so why is that important for the film that's interesting i don't know like i think yeah like there's a reason it's all women well i think the the other point that they made was they're all scientists and so they Mm. tried to attack it now they're trying to understand it. Fighting it didn't work. Like is that because women do that better than men? Probably. Maybe. <laughs> I would. I would go out on a limb and say. I would do. say the difference between hypermasculine military guys going in and uh, women scientists going in is a much more thoughtful, measured approach. And so, whenever you know you want to have you want to if you think about relationships women are usually going to average out to be a little bit more in tune with what's going on in the relationship. And so whenever you start thinking about the five stages of grief, they're probably going to be a little bit more on the nose. They're not going to resist the stages probably as much as a guy is trying to be bravado. But I think that's interesting too, because the effect that the shimmer has on each of these characters is really interesting. Obviously Anya gives into her anger and that's what ends up killing her. And you see like bargaining at one section where Lena's convincing everybody like, no, no, hey, no, we just need to go deeper into this thing. And the my favorite, though, is the bear. It's it's Cassie. It's Shepard who she has this great comment right before she gets taken. Lena's still awake. She can't sleep. And Josie sees her. And she's like, hey, you know, struggle, struggle sleeping. So, yeah, Josie, uh, Josie's out and. So like, and Cassie's telling her, like, yeah, I gave her a set of them. She's like, but honestly, you know, I'm at least as freaked as Josie is. I'm just hiding it better. Mm-hmm. But another way of saying that is you're refusing to talk about your issues. And by doing that, the bear took her voice. Mm-hmm. The cancer took her voice. And that I think that symbolically, that's why the bear was able to use her voice and that horror and that. And that thing that Josie was talking about in that clip that we played, that that's, that's all that's left of you now, Yeah, you know, is, is the, is the fear. And I don't want that to be me. I, I would hate for the last impression of my being on this earth to be fear. Yeah. And so she bravely kind of submitted to her depression, but at the same time, there's, there's something uh, very brave and that's, you know, solemn decision, I think. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I really love is Lena. I think she's such a badass man. Oh yeah. Like I love seeing Anya's like got all this bravado, right? She's talking about kicking everyone's ass or whatever. But when that gator pops out, Oh, and she's and they do the slow motion of her, you know, with the machine gun. Yeah, because Anya takes a few shots, the gun jams, and she just runs away. Yeah. But what does Lena do? She not only Gets shoots down on a knee. She advances. Yeah. She yeah crouches down on one knee and she just starts lighting it up. She's yeah. like, one of us is going right now, and yeah. it's going to be you. Yeah. <laughs> like that sets me on fire every time I watch it because I'm like, yeah, that's 
that's not just her military training, but that's her attitude in life. Like yeah. we're going to deal with this right freaking now. Yeah. And that's awesome. And she takes that, you know, into the final scene. Like she, yeah, totally. She lights that other thing on fire and uh-huh. she, first with bullets and then actual fire, but she was going to fight. Yeah. And Josie knew that she recognized, so like you want to fight it. And that's just part of her character. And I love that because that's such a, for one, it's great to see five really distinct, different women on screen. And then it's awesome to see one who is so strong, but isn't like one dimensional strong. She's not just an idiot. She's listening. She's engaging with everybody and she's understanding the room at all times. Like she's never trying to force anybody. She's using her wits. Like she is such a well-rounded, strong character. And I love, yeah. And Natalie Portman is a great choice for that, which you wouldn't ever think of Natalie Portman being like a, a military person. Yeah. Um, but she is such a fantastic actress. I was sold the whole way through. Hmm. I still don't understand why it's all women. So yeah. like it, they all, uh, I, I think that they all um, represent different ways to handle cancer itself. Like we've talked about, mm-hmm. you know, but why it had to be women. I don't know. Like I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Like, but it did, it, it had to be all women. Yeah, It I wouldn't agree. have worked if there was one guy or if it was all men. And I don't, I don't know why. Agreed. Without being sexist against men, I yeah, don't really know why. I think the closest I might be able to say to an answer is uh, there's effectively two references to cervical cancer in there. Yeah. Between Henrietta right. Lacks and the right. opening microscope. That's what I was, yeah. And so you have that. And then, of course, breast cancer is, you know, a, a massive thing, you know, that women have to deal with and face all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a scary thing that you're constantly, and society isn't going to let you forget. I mean, we have cancer breast cancer awareness month and blah 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 yeah. and so maybe that's that plays into it like there's more cancers that affect women than men i don't know if that's true but um maybe that has something to do with their ability to create life you that's know? good um because that's really good thank you yeah i think you're right i think that's it because there's that constant dialogue of one cell divides and becomes two and yeah right, right. you know and women of course one person suddenly becomes two mm-hmm. and they create life and they're mm-hmm. dividing and replicating. And that's unique to women. Men yeah. can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. And it's that, but that's one of those things where I don't want to go look that up. Like I want to get it. Yeah. I, I, I might need to watch it again Yeah, to kind of try to in that, in that vision uh, to kind of why try women. to, it, yeah. Why women in that way to, to figure that out because there's not a, uh, I, I just don't want to read it. No, it's kind of like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like, like the, this don't, is a don't Google it, man. Yeah. You know, like you, you can, you can figure this out on your own. Agreed. Um, cause I think that there's an answer, but I don't necessarily think that it's, but it's a pertinent question. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. I, I think it's like a huge part of the movie. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's, what is the movie about this? The, the, the cancer references everywhere. And right beneath that is this. Yeah. And I, I don't have a full answer for it. And I, that sucks. Man, that's really good. I think I've seen it three times. And I still don't have an answer for it. I noticed, I know I felt it the first couple times I watched it. I felt it, but yeah. I didn't like notice it until I just read all the names. That's really interesting. Hmm. Cause you have Cassie. Cause I'm also trying to think of other woman connections in there. And Cassie references that she lost her daughter to, you know, leukemia. And she was like, and there were two deaths, you know, uh, my daughter and who I used to be. 
Yeah. You know what? Maybe it has something to do with, because we see references to, you know, whenever they watch the video, the videotape mm-hmm. that they find of like the, the, yeah, geez that. Okay. So what if the reason this is all women is because it's telling, it's telling us that cancer does the same thing to men as it does to women. There's no difference. So, so essentially the, this, the last group that went in was all men, you know, strong military men, whatever represent all males, all men in the world. Right. And that's how, that's what cancer does to them. And now this group that's in, that's going in is all women and it does the same thing to all women of the world. So it does the same thing to everyone, whether you're a man or a woman, no matter how you, what you do, you either accept it, you reject it, you fight it, whatever, you know, you, you either win or you lose, but it, it is, it does the same thing to all of us. I like that. So it could just be a reference to yeah, it's just an easy way to delineate and say, Hey, here's what it did to the guys. Here's what it's going to do to the girls. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they responded similar, similarly because Cain got out, quote unquote, got out, maybe did or didn't, (laughs) you know, who knows? He could have been, I mean, that that could have been the alien. I think he's dead because whenever she wins, everything burns. Like everything that was a metastasization mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. burns to the ground. She conquered it once and for all. The right. shimmer's gone. All those crystal crystallized trees, which are gorgeous, mm-hmm. all of that's gone. Yeah. And so I think he really that really isn't him. Yeah. And or, and then the, okay, so if that's the case though, if that's the case, and she when she wins and the whole shimmer burns down, or like goes away, it was her cancer, right? Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. And the the other interesting thing is what happens at, what happens after this because now you have the alien effectively because that's the other cool thing is if you remove all the cancer talk out of it, it you could also compare this could be just an idea of what would an alien invasion look like yeah. if it acted like cancer totally and that's a really cool entrance into an idea like oh let's let's approach this thing like cancer but now you have this alien and a human and what are they they going to create. Because that was one of the other things that came out of the interview. She says, I don't think it wanted anything. And they're like, well, it attacked mm-hmm. you. And she's like, it mirrored me. I attacked it. Yeah. It wasn't destroying. It was changing everything. It was making something God, new. it's so cancer. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, it's just it's exactly <laughs> it. It's exactly what it is. But I think they're going to make something new together now. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where it goes from here. The, the alien is going to survive and it's going to adapt and mutate and continue doing whatever it does, I guess in a different way. Her though. Yeah. With her because she still sees her husband. I think she's not trying to leave him. She's not trying to kill him. She still sees her husband. She still wants to be with him. This thing is clicking on like 7,000 different levels because there is the relationship aspect of she's going to try to work things out with him. He's changed now. And I, and I think that's the thing with infidelity is it maybe changes the person who was cheated on more to the, than the person that, who cheated. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And... A hundred percent. You know, and so he's not the same person anymore. But going back to the alien thing, like this, it's so hard to keep everything straight on this. But yeah, I think, I think it survives through him. It's just, it's not what it was anymore. Right. It's becoming something new now. Well, so, but if you, 
if you back up and you look at you look at the whole thing from like this aerial point of view, from Lena's point of view, and just bear with me while I talk through this, please, and tell me no. <laughs> okay, this is fun. <laughs> All right, um, you know this 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 aerial view. Uh, you are Lena, right? You have this aerial view of of this whole this whole film, everything that's going down. There is. You know, they have this happy life and then there's a shimmer, right? Mm -hmm. And he leaves to fight it and she doesn't see him for a year Uh, and he comes back and he's not the same. Okay. And so she goes in to help him, right? So this, this whole reference so far I'm feeling is very, I'm trying to compare it to if, if my wife were, were to have, been be diagnosed right yeah i would be it, it would probably you know what i'm saying like like i would want to fight so it. maybe it's his cancer and she went in to because if if something if a disease gets bad enough yeah you're, you're almost incapacitated you can't make your decisions anymore right and so it was up to her to figure out how to, to how to yeah, defeat she this just thing didn't to she, save her husband she wasn't gonna quit and i think you my impression of the cancer survivors that I know is that you're never the same person anymore. Mm -hmm. It changes you forever. It becomes an ongoing thing that you have to deal with for the rest of your life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you got to keep going to screenings and every time you're always concerned, worried, you know, cause you got to wait for results and all that stuff. Like it's constant, you know, absolutely. And so like maybe it's, I like that. I like that theory. So it's his cancer. He goes to fight it. He fails, right? He fe- or he's he's just he's he doesn't fail, but he feels that he's failing. He's like, you know, like if you start doing chemo and it's not working, or you're just sick all the time, and so you have no energy, and so your other half has to like, you know, they have to wake up, they have to help you, you know, get take a shower, they, like all of these drive you places. It is a battle. It is a war, and then finally defeating it is a victory for the person who helped you just as much, if not more as it is yeah. for you. Right. Yeah. Because it is killing like chemo. That's what it does. It, it, it's killing you. And it's terrifying, right? Yeah. It, if you're, I mean, I can only imagine if you're the one that has it and you're fighting it, but if you're the one that doesn't and you have to watch the person that you love go through it, like there's a whole nother level of that, right? Like, yeah. I'm not saying it's worse or better. It's just, you know, a, a, a different thing because she, Lena isn't, sick the whole time mm-hmm. she's just going through the shimmer trying to get to the the source right yeah. trying to find this yeah this fix yeah. you know like this cure however you want to call it yeah and so and so i'm trying to reconcile that with the their, the shimmers in their eyes at the end okay so he's never going to be the same we know that even you know at the end when his eyes shimmer we expect that yeah you know that that's that's nothing new and we don't expect him to be the cane he was at the very beginning of the movie that we saw. When her eyes shimmer, the look on her face tells me something different than what her shimmer does. So, right? Like, so her shimmer tells me she's part of the alien or she's part of the. Yeah. So there's this few questions that pop off right there where uh, she looks at him. She says, you aren't Kane, are you? And he's like, I don't think so. Are you Lena? And they they hug, 
his eyes shimmer and so do hers, but she never answers this question. Yeah. And it's interesting because in this new uh, framework that you just described, like maybe it does change her too. Mm. Oh yeah. You know, that process of like you just said, watching your, your loved one go through something that like that, it changes you both in a profound way, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if, I don't know if, necessarily it's a better or worse thing but i want to go back again and look at the look on her face because i think that that's a key i think that's that's key to tell us exactly what uh the the purpose is because if she's if she has a blank look on her face then it might be a negative thing but I, i feel like she has this kind of almost like a grin or like this half grin i feel like it was blank i feel like it was a either blank or contemplative. Like you, you kind of read into it what you will, but she was considering, am I still Lena or maybe, yeah, and this is a fill in a blank scene because you could say, is she considering what it means to still be with this guy whenever he's an alien? And I'm, I'm not because as far as like just the film itself, her DNA is affected. Yeah. Like she saw that. And so yeah. even, even though she lived, her DNA is still infected. Like she killed the other thing, but whatever it did to her, she kept. She was still on a cellular level, uh, yeah. affected by by that experience and being in there at all. And so, she's I guess debating whether or not she is Stelina. Yeah. Even though she killed it, you're right. I'm looking at the the last shot, and it's just it's just her eyes. You can't see her mouth or her nose yeah. or anything. It's just because her, her, her his shoulder is kind of blocking her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and, but the, the way her her eyelids kind of sag a little bit, you can tell it's like it's it looks kind of stoic almost, man. It looks mm. kind of just like like a heavy thought is happening like in this, there. Like 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 she's not who she was. Interesting. That's, I mean, look at that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That that could just be all that to say. Yeah. It changes both. Yeah. Both the person with and the person helping the person with, I guess. Nice. You know. Any other thoughts or questions about that specific? Because there's one thing you said uh, last week that I want to touch on. No. Um, no I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could talk for a while, but I'd do that. You sent a text that was like, Oh, could this be a uh, origin story for uh, the Silver Surfer? Oh, right. And I yeah, was like, yeah. "That's that's hilarious." I like, but <laughs> the it also, part, right? yeah, but it also was interesting to me too because I was like, "Man, but that that would be an interesting like way for to to have a writing prompt." Like sometimes you're struggling with inspiration, and you're like, "Man, mm-hmm. I got no good ideas." But how cool is it to take someone else's work that you can't use? They like they couldn't use Silver Surfer, right? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of owned by whoever. And, but what they could do is say, "What would a Silver Surfer origin story look like?" And kind of just use that as a prompt of, "Okay, well, maybe a, an asteroid strikes the Earth and it's growing out of control, and someone goes in there to stop it, uh, and they do. But when they come out, they're completely changed." Yeah. Um, and so it just becomes this That's, entrance yeah, into yeah. you like and I and your own idea. And yeah. it's a springboard. You know, it's it's so funny you said that because like that's a, a great way to write music. Really? Yeah. If you say if you have no no ideas or anything, listen to a song you really like and write that song. 
like try to try to write exactly that song. I mean, you can't right, right, yeah. you know. <laughs> but like, let's say, uh, and I'm, we don't want to get off talk topic, but like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, like, is the song that they played throughout the song, uh, uh, throughout the movie. How's it, how's it go? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, point being, you know, you break a song, you you would break the song down. Like, oh, okay, it sounds like okay. There's four chords and there's whatever write that almost exactly but with different notes right and or or you know like four chords but four slightly different chords and then like how's the melody go it goes okay so i'm instead i'm gonna go or something like that and then it's a totally different song but you were trying to write that song that's cool. So you it's kind of so reduce great. it and then rebuild it. Exactly. You just, yeah, you just say, these are the facets I'm going to, I'm going to include in this song that I'm going to write and you just do it. And it never turns out to be, it's a radically it's, different, it's, it's thing. totally <laughs> different, but you're saying I'm going to, I'm going to write smells like teen spirit today. That's you know? pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So very, very interesting. That's a great idea for storytelling, which by the way, the, uh, the Crosby Sills and Nash song that they use helplessly hoping. Oh yeah. Um, yes, yes, I mean, yes, it's yes, a yes, great yes. song, but it even kind of speaks to this kind of cellular level. Like the hook mm-hmm. is they are one person. They are two alone. They are three together. They are for each other. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's in the DNA of this movie, yeah. you know, to put it on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I love it. I, I could it's, watch this several more times. Me too. And you could pull stuff out of it. Like, you know, on a fourth watch, I mean, yeah. I want to go back and watch it again to see if, if, you know, we're kind of, we're right about the whole female male yeah. situation. I, I just really think that that is a crux of this film. And I, I hope we got it right. That's and our awesome. guests, yeah. You but know. that's the fun thing is like, you know, we're just putting our own two and two together and yeah. trying to make it, you know, I mean, that's my best guess. Yeah. If I if, think you're right. If I were to watch it again and take notes, which I never do, yeah. um, I, it, I would probably have come up with the same thing. I think you're right. I just think us talking through it is kind of like, let, let it. And that was fun. Know. Cause we, I don't think we ever really do that on the air. Like what hash through an idea that. Like we, oh, we, we have no idea where this is going to go. No. Um, yeah. And uh, this one in particular, I kind of knew that, uh, yeah. you know, I was it's such a mind. I always kind of rely on your notes, <laughs> Yeah, you know, to pull stuff out of me. But I feel like this one in particular really, you had successful. questions that you wanted answers. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, yeah, I just can't, you know, I don't have time to yeah. like watch a movie to take notes. And if I take notes, I'm not watching a movie. Yeah. You're, that's why, you know, yeah, totally. I mean, so, this one, I think I ended up watching, two or three times the first, no, maybe it was last week, but I watched a movie recently where I was like, I just want to enjoy it. Oh, it was Bill and Ted. I just want to oh, enjoy right. this. Yeah. Um, and then I rewatched it and took my notes and it, yeah, it's, you, I know you definitely don't have the time between 80 hours of training and work. Uh, kids. Uh, and, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm only down to 10, man. I'm just riding bikes. Really? 10, 10 to 12. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So all that said, um, yeah. reco for the week. Oh yeah. So we talked about this beforehand. We're going to keep it with the sci-fi a little bit and go with, uh, uh, 28 days later. Nice. Which is like one of my, I, I'm not crazy about zombie films. Right. But this one in particular is like, it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah. So for me, this is like the pinnacle of end of the world kind of kind of style yeah. like the shutter speed stuff they use we talked about it's just mm-hmm. unbelievable you mentioned they shot it all on on, on digital. digital this is one of the very 
uh, early all digital films. Yeah, like Danny Boyle, and it's it's perfect. The texture and the uh, the grading nature of it, like it's. Yeah. You would watch it. You would never believe they shot it on digital. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Anyway, Alex Garland wrote it, yeah. uh, and Danny Boyle directed. So yeah, twenty days later, awesome recommendation. I man, I went back and forth. I almost recommended The Professional because oh yeah, Natalie, Natalie Portman is yeah. amazing. And that, that movie's was my great. First encounter with her. Yeah, and it's awesome. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with Children of Men. Oh yeah, that's. Uh, I really hope we haven't already. Oh, okay, we good. might have. No, we didn't think no? so. No? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but because, for one, uh, there's a lot of great symbolic stuff that's happening in there as well in, in a sci-fi setting. But uh, it's also written and directed by Alfonso Coron, who last okay. night had a freaking day of a day. Like, yeah, this man. dude was sweeping up awards. Yeah. And I don't think he has enough houses to put them in. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's amazing. So yeah, well deserved. Yeah, awesome. So stay tuned for next week. We continue uh, the strong female leads with the Hunger Games. And yeah, that's a fun one, man. I like I like you know popcorn movies too, and that'll be interesting to see <laughs> if she's if she's as strong as a, a character as you know Lena was. That'll be interesting to dive into. So don't forget yeah. to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Leave us a note. If there's something you want us to cover. Um, I've been meaning, I keep forgetting. I wanted to give another shout out to Izzy. He's just blowing it up, man. He's like, Love it. yeah, he sends, you know, emails and he's in the comment section, adding to the conversation. And that's my, definitely my favorite stuff is seeing someone else's ideas or just every time we're doing these, it's, it's a prism. Like mm -hmm. it's just how you decide to hold the film up to look through it. And, um, how you shine the light, like everything's changing. So hearing y'all uh, give your own thoughts and adding or, you know, changing altogether, you know, it's really fun and rewarding because that's the whole point of this is the conversation and, and diving into the ideas for sure. Yeah. And I would challenge people, um, especially with a movie like Annihilation to, to watch it with your own thoughts in mind, right? Don't go look it up and, and yeah. like see what, what, uh, Alex Garland really meant or mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, you can later, but yeah. like, you know, initially develop your own opinion, your own, uh, you know, uh, thought behind why something was done or said or, or used or whatever. And, and, you know, yeah, drop a note in the comments and, and, you know, let us know how wrong you think we are, yeah. or, which we probably are, but, um, that's kind of the fun, you know, aspect of, of like, you know, why we sit here and we talk about stuff like this, you know, it's like, I mean, some movies it's fun to go and see like, Oh, what did the director mean about, you know, X or Y, yeah. but this is so, you know, like, like, there's so many layers of meaning behind it. It's, it's much more fun to develop your own opinion yeah. and then tears our tear ours apart. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? Because that's, yeah. that's when you get to really add to the conversation because yeah. you're bringing your own personal experiences and yep. we're growing because of that. Even if we disagree, that's fine. That's a part of the fun. It's, you yeah. know, that contrast is what makes us really entertaining. And it helps you understand your own opinion. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Like I, 
uh, you know, a lot of times I have an opinion. I don't know why, or yeah. don't necessarily know what it is. So I have to develop it a little bit. And this is a good way to do that. And this particular movie is a really great way to do that. Great way to do you it. Know? And yeah. you can comment on this episode at the pestlepodcast.com slash annihilation. So we'll leave you with the quote of the day. This one is by C.S. Lewis. Awesome. Mm-hmm. A very interesting writer. I really like yeah. this guy. You know that we've talked yeah. about him before. <laughs> no one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. Wow. What, what is that from? I have no idea. I don't know if it's from one of his novels okay. or just a discussion, but that just really hit home to me because, man, sometimes it's, it's hard to know the difference between grief and fear, I think. Yeah. You know, whenever you lose somebody and you're grieving over them, uh, you're, I think a part of that is you're, you're afraid of what life is going to look like now. Yeah. I think that's part of the grieving process is, you know, worrying about the future and trying to digest uh, what it means for you. And that's scary mm-hmm. for sure. And I, I love just the way this film kind of goes about lightly touching on how everyone processes, you know, grief and fear very differently. Yeah. Like Anya was so adamant about denying everything around her, right? She looked at the tape and she's like, yeah, it was a trick of the light. People were looking at her like, what are you talking about? That there were like these giant worms moving in them. And yeah. She's like, she gets angry. Like she explodes. I'm like, no, then you watch it. You review it. Like, yep. And you just can't, you just can't predict it. And I love that idea that, yeah, you know what? The more I recognize grief and it's linking with fear, I think it really helps me to, to put it into perspective of how am I processing this? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say they're the same thing. They're Mm -hmm. definitely different things, but they, they do have similarities. And I think it's important to like remind yourself when you do feel, when you're feeling, when you think you're feeling grief, is this really grief or is it, am I just afraid of what life is going to be like now? You know, cause there is a legitimate difference between the two. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a, a one, I think, I think the, the bottom level of a grief of grief is fear-based, yeah. right? But then when you are in extreme grief, when you are, it is destituteness, if that's a word, yeah. you know, then it's its own thing. It, I don't think it, that fear necessarily plays into it. There's also a self-deprecation aspect where you blame yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that's not necessarily fear-based. That is, uh, you know, I mean, what do I know? But I, I feel like, you know, when it's something that you could change, you feel like you could change or you're taking on yourself or something like that, then that's a little bit different. But when you're just feeling, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you let your dog out by accident and he gets hit by a car. That's, that's grief. And that's also a little bit of fear because now I don't have my buddy anymore. What's life going to be like, you know, that kind of thing. But when it gets really heavy, and really deep it's his own thing i think that's interesting yeah and i think too sometimes uh to really tie it back into this movie sometimes it's hard to tell what is what what you're feeling yeah and it's oh, like totally. they all swirl and mutate together and you it's confusing yeah they feelings and emotions that overlap yeah right you know so it's kind of like a venn diagram almost mm-hmm. right where and at, at one point you've got like all these emotions and it's right there in the center you know and and you almost just like have to get out into the 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 edges to know okay uh, no this is grief or this is fear or this is love or whatever 
which is probably the yeah. same yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on all on all, all three of those probably the same <laughs> anyway all right well thank you guys so much for joining us we really appreciate you listening to our rambling um <laughs> as wes said please make sure to to review us and and drop us a comment and and notes and stuff and share us with your friends you know we've got several listeners now and we are really excited and we love doing this we're gonna keep doing it whether yeah. we have five people listening <laughs> yeah. or 50 or 5,000 um but it would be nice to have 5,000 it would be nice yeah uh but until then I am Todd I am Wes go watch some movies yeah.